this holiest of holy days, MLKJR Day. And for reals, happy Martin Luther King Day. Thanks for, you know, civil rights. It's pretty good. Three-day weekend. I'm down with that. <laughs> I know this isn't the <laughs> the first podcast of the new millennium, but I must note that is the year Dodeca. Nice. I don't even know what that if means. We were playing Dungeons and Dragons. The year would be a longsword's damage versus a large monster. Oh, that's true. For example, true. an ogre, a D12. Yeah, dude. I know that now. <laughs> I have always known that. Uh, the encyclopedic knowledge I have for Dungeons and Dragons is rivaled only in its converse by how many times I have played Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> which is once. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. It's a lot more fun on paper. Hi, Uh <laughs> Lol. Are you... Uh, you, oh, are you like part of a Dungeons and Dragons game now? Yeah, me and Chris Pahalski. Oh I yeah, play. you told me that. I'm a a sweet paladin. I have 17 charisma and the crappiest strength ever for a fighter character. Well, you so got total... to have 17 charisma, right? That's yeah, like... you're required. And I'm like, <laughs> rolls sucked. Uh, did you do the standard like 3d6 for your stats? Yeah, basically. So you were like, just like, come on, 17. Yeah, well, I had to, I got that one, but yeah, I don't know. I get no love for anything else. Yeah. That is what. It's cool, though, because I found a magical sword. So it corrects all my near misses, which is basically everything, because my Thacko is crazy high. It's like just a little, it just gives it a little push. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, 12 is close enough. We were talking about Dungeons and Dragons last night. Aaron and Noah came over. Graz and I were playing one of the many Tales games, and I was like, "I am playing the girl because Graz hates playing healer girls." <laughs> and there's only two characters. Like a sort of a negative gender role enforcement. Yeah. She just can't handle. Uh, I also think she just hates like being responsible. <laughs> it's both. So that that leads Aaron into this spiel where she played a fighter character in their Dungeons and Dragons game, and it took her three sessions to hit something with the sword. It might have been three years, three months. What? I don't know. It was How a was while. that possible? You got to roll a twenty sometime. Yeah, apparently it's just really that that Thaco they call it. But I mean, like, even if you're, I mean, my Thaco is like nineteen. It's crazy, I and mean, I still hit stuff like a goblin. Goblin ain't got no armor. No, I, dude, I, I, hit, I clubbed this one uh, ogre with a two-handed sword and chainmail. It was like magical sword, lead me not astray. That's pretty sweet. Uh, when I mean, I've told this story so many times, but when we played Dungeons & Dragons, we got everybody killed, <laughs> and we learned the terrors of Thaco firsthand, because we couldn't hit shit. <laughs> It's like, really? I need a 17 to hit this well, guy? The one thing that they, they don't make it clear... And I don't. This might just be a thing. I don't know. But it it wasn't clear that it's not that you're missing the target. It's that the blow doesn't actually damage them. Yeah. So you could be hitting him, but you know he's parrying, or he caught it in the shield, or you failed to breach his breastplate, something like that. Well, as but, I as I understand from the uh, the the Penny Arcade plays Dungeons and Dragons at PAX videos that I've watched. The newer versions of Dungeons and Dragons, instead of just having like one straight up number for everything, characters have different statistics based on their armor or their reflex, and then different attacks test different skills. 
Which makes that's it too complicated. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe so. But it, it, I guess it makes it a little more uh, sensical in your head. It's like, man, how come his armor protects him from fireball? He's, he should that it should hit him because he's slow. Uh, we're playing like second edition or something. Yeah. So if you cast a spell, that hit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like magic missile well, is guaranteed damage. To, like you only get like two. Yeah. Oh man, it's so sweet when the magic missiles are ready. Yeah. It's like waiting for cookies to come out of the oven, like screaming, are, are you ready yet? Ding. It's I keep rolling up. sixes. The ranger just critically failed and chopped off his leg. So you got the maze back by the campfire still, like reading his book? Yeah. I only need six How and a half turns? hours. <laughs> just, yeah. just hold him. Yeah, right on a total a meat shield. But, I'm the, uh, the ultimate paladin. I do nothing. I just stand there and get hit. Yeah stand in the way oh absolutely like there was this one encounter we had where we were in a doorway and all i did the whole fight was stand in the doorway <laughs> i mean if it works it works right yeah well it's classic strategy of every role-playing game i ever play i'm the tank but this is not a podcast about D. yeah it's well it could be it's a I podcast it could, about giant basically about anything giant but, floating Space brains, a rocket ship. I'm getting, my, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, <laughs> way ahead. Spoilers. Spoilers. Really important spoilers because you're watching this and you're like, that seems like pretty, pretty normal Lupin stuff. He's going around the world, he's checking out artifacts, stealing them. Mandrake root. I'm not sure why that is something that needs to be thieved. <laughs> pretty sure it just grows in the ground. Unless it's like those mandrake roots in, uh, what was it? It's like Transylvania what? or like Romania. Well, no, I guess what was it? Berserk. Remember the mandrakes would drive people crazy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that sort of stuff is based on myth. But I feel like that was the sort of mandrake root they were stealing. Well, yeah, it's the one that's like shaped like a person. It's very dangerous. You pull it up out of the ground, there's a baby somebody. hanging from it. Yeah. Well, you pull like, it out oh, of no, the ground, baby, who screams. buried you? And it's all like, blah! <laughs> there's a pretty sweet drawing of a mandrake baby on uh, Wikipedia. It's kind of just a big flower sticking out of the ground and then under the ground. There's just a baby chilling. I never really... What's the mythology behind that? I don't really know. I know that if you pluck the mandrake out, it's there's supposed to be like a scream and somebody dies. Uh, if I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, it says here that Mandrake would only grow where the semen of a hanged man had dripped onto the ground. So that's, Whoa. that is horrifying. Well, that makes, <laughs> you know how people have these sort of ideas about the past that they were so much more genteel? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, this <laughs> would appear to be the reason for the methods employed by the alchemists who projected human seed into animal earth. I think alchemists just want to an, ex an excuse to jerk off wherever they could. <laughs> They're like, no, yeah, seriously. That was what alchemy was all about. I need it for my potions. Oh, man. Hey, Theophilus, stop banging the ground. That is awful. Uh, dude, seriously, you're going to thank me when this potion cures your wife's labor pains. So <laughs> I'm just going to have to keep <laughs> humping this hole I dug in the earth and hope a groundhog Aren't you afraid you're going to get some disease? Off. The Middle Ages, we have no idea what disease is. But yeah, so the Mandrake root and the Philosopher's Stone? Yeah. The Philosopher's Stone, very innocuous looking. 
It looked like a pebble. Yeah, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. I mean, it's like, why would you? I mean, I guess. How do you even know that that's the actual Philosopher's Stone, given that it's buried at the heart of a millennia-old pyramid? Yeah, and why would the Philosopher's Stone be in Egypt? I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't. But like I'm, seriously, there's not a lot of other rubble around there. <laughs> yeah, that's how. It's like, which stone is it? That's how it stayed hidden for so long. I guess maybe they could have put it in an urn. Egyptians were a fan of doing that. Yeah, they put it in like a canoptic jar. <laughs> oh, here I found it. Uh, this Among is actually the sifted the refuse long, of this man's ruined pancreas of a pharaoh. Uh, so it's not the philosopher's stone. <laughs> oh yeah, this is just somebody's dried up prostate. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so great. Uh, it is pebble-like in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you can't transmute anything with we it? Took the I don't even know why Mamo needed the Philosopher's Stone. That's not immediately clear. Well, it seems And it never like, really becomes that way. It seems like he's already got his plan pretty much down. What do you get the man who has everything? And by everything, I mean the ability to clone himself for thousands of years. <laughs> Which he, yeah. So anyway, I guess we just tell him we're talking about... Uh, Lupin the Third, the secret of Mamo. It's either it's the called? mystery of Mamo or the secret of Mamo, depending on who you ask. Mamo number five. I always remember. Yes, Lou Vega came back. It <laughs> went back in time to 1979. Maybe Lou Vega is Mamo. Yeah, and you just don't know be. it. Well, we've never that would seen make him. Sense. But that, for that song music is video. diabolical. Uh, I always remember this this video being in the video store and having a big "Not for Kids" label plastered on it. And being, like, too intimidated to take it up to the counter. I'd be like, they'll know. They'll know I'm a kid. They'll never give it to me. It's a foolproof plan. So I never saw this until today. <laughs> uh, They're going around. They're stealing stuff. Mamo is a three-foot-tall Smurf man. Midget plays the harp. See, he's actually, if I were to describe him to someone who had never seen the movie, I would describe him as an evil blue baby Mozart. That's exactly what he looks like. He's got the weird white hair that looks like a wig from the 1700s. Yeah. And he's got bangs. When were bangs a good look? 1979, I guess, when this movie <laughs> he came out. Like, he not only has the bangs, but he's got like the mini velour suit. Not really velour. It's like, imagine a 70s prom photo. And that's what Mama wears all the time. Yeah, it's like baby blue. <laughs> yeah, he's got a ruffled shirt. It's absurd. It's like Mamo. He's like I. I've been to so many cultures, so many times, from the Romans to the Renaissance, and I never found anything better than the 1970s prom attire. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I will be buried the in. The pinnacle of fashion. Look, the flared collar and the flared cuffs of the pants. It just yeah. it's the only thing that can distract from the fact that he is a three foot tall blue baby yeah maybe he's trying to he's trying to stretch himself out that's why it kind of flares and then pinches in the middle it's supposed to make him look a little drawn in the middle yeah mama's men are a bunch of pirates in striped shirts from the <laughs> 1930s well i mean so let's let's go back to the beginning how is lupon sucked into the nefarious plan of Mamo. Because he, he just wants to get his dick wet, son. That's all he's ever wanted. <laughs> Fujiko says, I will hook you up. It's prime rib. Yeah. Fujiko really comes off 
as even more of a blue balling skank in this one. Listen, I don't want to blow your mind here, but I think many nerd-like people in Japan who create cartoons have a somewhat negative opinion of women. Ah. <laughs> uh. Is it a negative opinion of women or just a negative opinion of Lupin? Because I thought he was being pretty stupid in this movie. He's being extra pervy, that is for sure. Well, the whole movie is extra pervy. I mean, Fujiko is naked in this. I mean, because, like, the height of Lupin for me is always going to be the castle of Cagliostro. Yeah, and that is completely different from what this show is actually about. Yeah, like, I don't know. That one had class. Yeah, It didn't involve a space weird sci-fi angle like the the mystery of mama is totally out of proportion with what i've expected from lupon and that might just be because i'm not familiar with the manga maybe they all took this weird turn but i don't know he's always been more capery kind of like the peter uh, peter sellers pink panther movies yeah well you because your first experience is with castle of cagliostro you think he's like this charming thief guy but I've read enough of the manga to know that actually he's just sort of a dick. And it's like the manga, <laughs> this is even a little toned down. Because in the manga, he just murders people pretty often. And in this, there's still like a, at least some of the charming thief angle. Yeah. The Mad Hat caper. Yeah. I was, when he's like going for the jump in on do the swan dive on Fujiko, I was waiting for the boxing glove to come out of her gooch. Look <laughs> at the TV credits. Spring loaded. But no, she just oh. dropped him. Uh, they, they end up in the desert. <laughs> they like escape from op- the Optimus Prime uh, tractor trailer. And then they're in yeah, the desert. Yeah, that was the biggest truck to ever drive on that mountain pass. I don't know why that wasn't banned. Yeah. Well, I mean, perhaps it was, but they were like, we are scofflaws. <laughs> we're just going to ride. Where the helicopter has failed. The 18-wheeler will succeed. Well, it's just like, it's got to transform into a robot at some point, right? Because like the, they, they picked that color scheme on purpose. It looks exactly like Optimus Prime. It totally does. But maybe that's just because Optimus Prime sort of feeds into what people expect of an 18-wheeler. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's sort of a uniquely American thing. I don't Not maybe unique anymore, but it's definitely something that was of the American Midwest mm-hmm. when we finished the interstate highway system. Yeah. Made that truck impossible. And then they, I don't understand they just... why their their vehicle escalation went from helicopter with swivel-mounted robot-controlled Gatling gun to run them off the road with a semi. I feel like there should have been an inversion of that order. It does, I mean, it, they end up in the desert regardless. <laughs> and then they have this great, but by great, I pretty much mean terrible part where they're walking in the desert. And there's a, a pitcher of water on a table. You go, okay, that's a mirage. And they, they go up to run and drink the water. And then the water explodes into a column of flame. <laughs> and it turns out that it was real. And then Lupin <laughs> says it was a message meant to suggest that everything we want in this desert is a mirage. <laughs> I said that is so much work. It's all what to do. Yeah, why would you even... If you can plant a bomb in a pitcher of water, why wouldn't you just assassinate them? Yeah. You well, clearly want them dead. Well, he's just having fun with them because he doesn't want them dead quite yet. He's got to... He's toying with them. Do something. This is before Mama was even introduced. 
They find an abandoned house socked with water in the middle of the desert, and then they have like a water fight. <laughs> they've been they've been dying of thirst for possibly weeks. They've been in this desert. The only reason they're still alive is because they're anime characters. And then they get into the house and immediately find a, a larder of baked beans and some pouches of water, and then they just start throwing water at each other. Yeah, I don't know. It's well, like, maybe there's the the elation of seeing something in great quantities that you've wanted for so long. We've got so much water, we'll never run out. Yeah, we're never gonna ever going to run out. <laughs> we still don't have transportation. Uh, we we only seem to be walking further into this desert. <laughs> but yeah. never mind. Yeah, they don't really explain. I guess somehow they know they're going towards the sea. I don't know. Yeah, Since they well, don't seem a, to know where they are. Luvon seems to have some internal GPS. It's like, I'm going towards the ocean. They're like, this is just what he do. Guess we gotta follow him. We also yeah, didn't man. mention that this movie starts with Lupin being hanged for his crimes. <laughs> but it's like a fake one. And they spend a lot of the movie being like, who was the fake Lupin? They don't even spend a lot okay, of the movie, though. they say it once, which is actually more than I was thinking they might address it for the beginning of the movie. I sat there being like, they're never going to say who that guy is, are they? And then they, they, they ask, it's like, who was that guy? He's like, well, I don't know, whatevs. <laughs> it wasn't me, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's there are too many things supposedly linking Mamo and Lupin. Because you've got the whole Fujiko angle, because Mamo has her in his thrall. And she is naked, and I watched this at work. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that, I went, whoop! And just NSFW. Moved, I moved the browser window behind my Gmail window. <laughs> I will just wait until the scene changes. Uh, yeah, that was a little awkward it's and good. largely unnecessary. I mean, she's bound to be naked at some point. She's like, I'm just chilling in this garden paradise. Got cameras yeah, in the shower. Well, that's like the. That's the greatest bathroom ever. Yeah. I'm just going to put that right out there. But still kind of weird. Well, the cameras are pretty weird. That's for sure. <laughs> it's like, yeah, who puts a... Why are there mirrors in the shower? Oh, I know what this is about. She's like, whatever, I'm into it. Well, she does manage to take a shower for a long time, and only after Mamo has gotten on the mic and started talking to her does she reveal that she knew about the cameras the whole time. He's like, sup, lady? How are you doing? It's like, just ignore that heavy breathing sound. That's just, you know, the ambient sound of the rainforest. This is a rainforest shower. Wash your vagina. What? The whispers of the jungle. Uh, yeah, that was the <laughs> the howling vagina monkey. Yeah, its okay. howl sounds just like it's telling you to wash your vagina. Oh man, just <laughs> just turn slightly to the right <laughs> when you do it, like twelve to fourteen. Yes, degrees. the monkey will issue many commands. <laughs> do not follow them. That is brainless chatter. Yeah, it just of sounds a like speech. beast. Uh, it's just what he's learned to approximate <laughs> from close human contact. Truly, the loss of our our. Untouched wilderness is a crime. All these, all these corrupted monkeys, hungering for sex, <laughs> sex crazed monkey army. Why would the monkey speak English? Don't ask questions. Yeah, listen. 
<laughs> it's a very it's the Amazon. We don't know. Why <laughs> question it? So anyway, yeah, Fujiko is working for Mamo in an effort to manipulate Lupin into getting what Mamo wants. It's not that hard of an effort. No. It's pretty much just like, sup, you know, you want this coochie. You know, you got what you got to do for it. And Jigen and Goemon are like, dudes, come on. <laughs> Poor Jigen and Goemon. Yeah. I never really understood why Goemon hangs out with Lupin. They do seem to have, uh, I mean, they both like money. That seems to be true. Even though Goemon kind of acts like an ascetic. Like, he seems to have a pretty, uh... Well, he does understand their uh, their relationship is primarily about business, apparently. Because yeah. when uh, when Lupin chooses Fujiko over Jigen and Goemon, Goemon says, this terminates our business partnership. Yeah. Which, of course, I mean, it really doesn't, but that's what he says. <laughs> They're like, oh, they walk away for about 15 minutes. Long enough for Fujiko to poison Lupin's bean stew. Or put <laughs> sleeping drugs in it. Which is maybe just, it was like a proactive roofie before he hit her with a roofie. <laughs> Frankly, the relationship's pretty He just goes straight up. to the nuclear option, yeah. mutually assured destruction. Well, they, they knew one of them was going to do it. They just didn't know when. I don't know why you would eat anything in the presence of either one of them, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it does seem rather hazardous. Oh, man. So, yeah, they get out of the desert... Jigen and Goemon go their separate ways, or really just separate from Lupin. They're basically still together. But they keep li- they're listening to Journey on their iPod. They're like, someday yeah, does- love will find you, and then, then we got to turn back. Yeah, Jigen only, he really does only walk away for three seconds, and then he has to run back, because only he can protect Lupin from himself. There's a lot of bros before hoes themes going on yeah. in this. Well, there's only one girl in the entire Lupin universe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there were some girls that got shot at that restaurant when they were in Paris. Yeah. Well, that's what they're dead now. Now it's just Fujiko. So they meet Mamo, and he's like, sups. I'm into the cloning. Sort of what I do. (laughs) I'm not just into the cloning. I've been doing it for how long? Like, he seems to suggest since... Basically, the dawn a couple of time. centuries BC, maybe thousands of years BC. Yeah, because he's like, I've interacted with all the greatest minds across history. It's like, but nobody remembers you. Nobody remembers the tiny blue dwarf that like ne- you never showed up in a picture with Einstein. <laughs> it's like never. Well, I feel like the, there's a suggestion a where Mama says it's not really perfect. That's why he's after the philosopher's stone because his methods of. Well, yeah, he's like, himself I'm a ninth generation minor clone. Yeah. Minor defects. Well, enough minor defects Yeah, it defects turns you blue and makes time. you a midget. That's not minor, friend. It, it adds up. <laughs> I mean, being a midget isn't really that crazy. There are other midgets in human history. But you are blue. That is not the same. Yeah. No human being is, like, baby blue. <laughs> they also have this, like, grossly overestimated appreciation of cloning lupin's like oh yeah these days no big deal just stick something (laughs) in an embryo whatevs it's 1979 like (laughs) you guys didn't even know about cloning you probably just heard about it it was an issue of popular science some japanese dude said i could write a story about that make a midget man 
But the true Mamo isn't even the Midget Man. <gasps> it's not? He is not a demented missile launching dwarf. He is an enormous brain inside a rocket. Yeah, he's, he's a demented missile mounted brain. Yeah. And his plan, he's like, screw this. I'm out. We'll come back in like a thousand years. I'm going to return as a god. <laughs> but why? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, before you get that far, how do they, the way that they discover that uh, Mamo is actually the brain radio controlling the tiny blue man is kind of hysterical because uh, Lupin has uh, Lupin has infiltrated Mamo's fortress in the Caribbean, uh-huh. which is not a discreet place. He also gives like a really great clue when he gets captured. He leaves behind a cocktail napkin that says Caribbean on it. <laughs> They're like, we know where he is. So like Lupin has infiltrated this guy's tropical paradise and he's... I, don't, I guess Mamo has Fujiko because Mamo is also obsessed with Fujiko. Because why wouldn't you be? She's you a, can't actually have a relationship with a woman. She's uh, literally the last woman on the planet. <laughs> There's <laughs> nobody else to have a relationship with. They have to be. <laughs> you found a woman? Oh my gosh. Uh, I thought we just all had to make ourselves be gay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in the, the tropical fortress. And... Uh, Mamo is like shooting lasers at Lupin, but Lupin manages to reflect all the laser beams back off of Jigen's broken yeah. sword tip. Well, Goemon had earlier. Oh, Goemon, yeah. They had a right. guy, they call him Mr. Flinch. <laughs> I don't think that is racist. Uh, I think his name is actually Mr. French, and they mistranslated it. <laughs> <laughs> at least according to Wikipedia. Uh, Dude, that is awesome. So they called him Mr. Flinch. <laughs> and they said, oh, they must be saying Flinch. I don't know. These Japanese, who can understand them? Not me. Uh, <laughs> so he Certainly broke not his I. sword. Raw fish, no, thank you. He, he's, he, he, he spends most of the movie with like a real crisis of, of faith. Because he's like, I never cut the good shit with my sword, man. Spent all this time cutting fucking tires and Egyptian <laughs> pyramid guards. <laughs> well, he doesn't actually kill him. He only cuts the tires. Going on only uh, the only person he really murders is Mr. French. Yeah, or Mr. He drops French, him in the dink in the drink. I don't know. Why I said dink. I think I was thinking flinch. It got very confused in my head. He drops him in the water after like a sweet samurai style freeze frame where it goes. Doo, 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 doo. But that's after was does his sword break in that fight? Yeah, I think so. That's how it breaks. Because he, oh, yeah, he's hitting him because Mister F- he's got like studded armor from the six fifties thereabouts. Just like iron breastplate. He's like ha! I knew I was gonna fight a dude with a sword, so I put my breastplate on. Good thing I did. But then he just cuts him in the head. And that's kind of it. But it does ruin the sword in the process. And he's like, peace. Hate this stupid sword. Not good enough for it anyway. Mom said I'd never amount to nothing. And I didn't. <laughs> the only thing I've ever accomplished is defeating a helicopter with a sword. Yeah. What good am I? What good am I? But Lupin picks up at the top of the sword. He says, I might, I might need this later. And he does. 
Because he uses it to inexplicably <clears throat> deflect every laser being shot. Deflect four lasers concentrated into a single point off of the sword and hit Mamo's clone square in the face. Yeah, burns his whole fucking face off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it manages to engulf his entire body in these weird flames. And then he sort of marches around after Fujiko. Then he falls on the ground. And after his whole body has been incinerated, they find... That at the center of his head was a radio receiver. Mm. Bum, bum, bum. Oh my god, he was never a blue dwarf at all. And that's when it's revealed that Mamo's a giant brain controlling yeah. all these other little Mamos. Which also, it just leads me to the question, why is he so interested in Fujiko? <laughs> He's like, I just have to pretend that one day I could, could do the deed. Because there is no hope for me. Nobody wants to copulate with a giant brain. <laughs> Yeah, man, he's totally compensating. Why do you think he put his brain on the top of a giant rocket? Somebody is compensating for something. I never thought about that. I buy it. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, Uh, you know you're into it. Well, throughout the entire movie, we got to also point out that Mamo has been threatening the entire world with nuclear annihilation because somehow on his tiny Caribbean island, he has enough nukes to blow up everybody yeah the cia show up you know this is a relatively new dub because the voice actor for the president is doing a george bush impersonation wow that was the worst yeah it was so bad there are many things don't this uh i watched the show on hulu don't do that find another dub this one was terrible yeah it wasn't very good and i I also watched it on hulu and it seemed like they were just running the same commercial for vitamins. <laughs> Every commercial break. I was going crazy. Because <laughs> it's a it's an almost two hour long movie. That's a lot of space for commercial breaks. Probably like 10 or 12. <laughs> it was yes. just that vitamin one. Every time it's like, why do you think I care about vitamins oh, so yeah. much? I didn't even notice. Is that the one uh, like Good Earth or some? Yeah. They're like. We're not trying to get in on this vitamin game because it's <laughs> profitable. <laughs> it's like, who cares about we have the realest vitamins? And they are to make you feel better. We don't care about money. We put $100 in every bottle of vitamins just to show you how much we don't care. We just want people to have vitamins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I guess there are compounds you could put in a vitamin that would be not good for the human body. But isn't it just like a vitamin is just sugar and vitamins, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what the Flintstones vitamins essentially are. Mm-hmm. You know I eat those. Oh, yeah. My They're like candy. used to have to hide them. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I, don't know. I love my vitamins. <laughs> I want Dino. This is Barney. Bullshit. I hate Barney. Ah, They're all the same, kid. Isn't it crazy that the Flintstones vitamin outlasted the TV show and that that brand persists in the many marketing campaigns that were generated by it? Yeah. Like, kids know now who Fred and Barney are, not because of the Flintstones, but because of, like, Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, that's also really weird that their cereal is still there. Especially since that's, like, the grossest cereal ever. Yeah, it's not very good. I used to love Fruity Pebbles. Now I can't even imagine eating it. It's so weird because it's like they've constructed a cereal with the maximum (laughs) amount of surface area per mass. So it will get as soggy as is humanly possible 
as quickly as possible. Like it reaches a saturation point before you finish pouring the milk. So you just have this like bowl of slop. And it, it kind of dissolves. Oh, yeah. And turns the milk purple. Yeah. If you like fruity pebbles, I'm sorry. Yeah. That stuff is gross. They are I'm bad. an old man. And there were there were there there are certainly times in my youth when I wanted a big old box of fruity pebbles. But looking back at those times now, I'm just like, why? Just why? Yeah. Also, frankly, <laughs> even though I still eat it sometimes, the marshmallows and Lucky Charms are pretty nasty. <laughs> it's like they're mo- they're actually mostly made of chalk. <laughs> we put in the minimum legally allowed amount of sugar for these to be called marshmallows per USDA law. Yeah, marshmallows aren't supposed to be crunchy. Yeah. And those definitely are. They're like biting into sweetened well, styrofoam. You, you got to let them soak into the milk a little just to make them edible. <laughs> Oh, man, I hope I never have to deal with that problem again. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, who knows? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you're walking down the aisle of the grocery store and you go, I guess. <laughs> I've been buying Cheerios for a month. Payback. <laughs> yeah, Payback the heart kind. Yeah. I just got a splurge. I need to poison myself this as early in the happens. morning as possible. You just binge. You, I don't want to lie to my body. That's why you got to have, gotta have a like, more nope. even diet. You can't just go on a policy of denial sorry body you know i hate you we're eating fruity pebbles yeah i'm not even gonna apologize i mean i think we both know how we feel about each other. i'm gonna eat some fruity pebbles and then drink a 24 ounce coke <laughs> at six in the morning i'm just gonna cut out the middleman and pour the coke into the cereal <laughs> oh, no. oh it's so fizzy oh that'd be the grossest thing ever what if you poured coke into rice krispies the snap crackle popping would be I think it'd probably just by the explode in your face. <laughs> yeah, We'd be reading about your body in the newspaper. Geyser how of it was caramel. thrown through your front window. Burns out your eyes. Neighbors suspected a gas explosion. It turns out this retard poured uh, Coke into Rice Krispies. Yeah. Got what he deserved. They call it Old Faithful. <laughs> Psh, I'm a face. It's actually starly similar to what happened to Mamo. Lupin was like, I got the tools, shakes up his bottle of Coke, pours a box of Rice Krispies into it. I found the secret of immortality. Mamo, no. (laughs) The proportions are not correct. (laughs) The Philosopher's Stone was a lie. You cannot combine Coca-Cola and Rice Krispies. Careful, Mamo. Are you mad? One drop too few, and you just get diabetes and die. (laughs) Yeah, it's like those uh, Mentos and Coke commercials. Yeah. Only to the, you know, the nth degree. <laughs> How do they pop? Who figured out that formula? I don't know. Genius. Some smart guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe not that smart. He's like, wait, I figured out a way to make this incredibly bland cereal appealing. Yeah. It makes it noise. Uh, do you put it in a bowl full of melted marshmallows? <laughs> Was that the trick? <laughs> Stir it up and then bake it again? Yeah, because thus far that is the only way to make Rice Krispies appealing. <laughs> But it's pretty foolproof. Yeah, how about you take that rice, put a little sugar on it. Sugar on my rice. Man, we cooked some uh, shepherd's pie last night. And, like, the proportions. We were like, okay, we're going to do this for real. We're not going to make a whole five-pound sack of mashed potatoes to put on top of this shepherd's pie. It says a pound and a half. We're going to use a pound and a half. So I made a pound and a half of potatoes. And I'm looking at it in this tiny bowl. Like... A rather small size mixing bowl, 
And then we look at the baking dish we're going to put it in. And we just went, no. We got to make some more potatoes. Got to make emergency potatoes. Can't fight nature, man. So I was just trying to like fight against my heritage. Being like, no, my genes don't control me. But it turns out some things are just meant to be. <laughs> and like, well, it's I don't true. know. They're, they're like, all right, you're supposed to have like about a centimeter thick thing of potatoes on top of that shepherd's pie. Are you crazy? What? I mean, that's the only thing I can explain. Because we used a baking dish about the size they wanted. And there's just no way we could have spread those potatoes <laughs> in the way they wanted us to spread. It's just, it's ridiculous. Food Network, the, where do you get off? The shepherd's pie. It's a myth. They're just, you know, talking about the, the ethereal archetype of shepherd's pie. Yeah. It's got a mashed potato wafer that's somehow a, that's laid what over I it. I need the philosopher's stone for. <laughs> the perfect shepherd's I pie. To, the, without this philosopher's stone, the, re- the ingredients will never coalesce. His mama's trying to, produce, to seduce you with promises of immortality. Yeah. Like, no, Mamo. Immortality is a waste. Don't you see what we really have here? For the first time in human history, we could produce the perfect shepherd's pie. My God. My God. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> they come by like a week later to the Mamo secret compound. He's still three feet tall, but he's now like eight feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> Horrific dwarf <laughs> fat thing from the middle of Blade One. <laughs> Unable to move under his own power. It is a glorious curse. He's just having his other clones bring him more shepherd's pie. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I don't, oh, I don't get his plan. Because his plan, first off, he's got like some mind reading device. Like, or like the dream thing that he puts Lupin into. Or he like into, trips you out, yeah. And he's like, there's nothing here. He doesn't appear to dream. That's the mental characteristic of an idiot or a god. It's like, why would you? What? Where does that conclusion come from? Yeah, I think it's a mental characteristic of a psychopath. Don't crazy people not have dreams? <laughs> well, that's what they said. It's either the signs of a well, because when he delves into Lupin's subconscious, he says you're either a complete madman or a genius. Yeah. Except I don't really know why that means you're a genius. Yeah. Maybe he, I mean, you guys were only doing it for like 15 minutes. Maybe you just hadn't hit REM sleep yet. I actually, now we'll go even deeper. So it goes past all the pictures of Fujiko naked. Yeah. He's like, we have to go deeper. And then Fujiko like blushes. And I'm like, really? You've been slapping it out there the yeah. entire time. Lady, we know what you're about. I'm I mean, not even if say you, I don't like it. It's just like that Dave Chappelle skit about, you know, wearing the uniform. Yeah, as a police officer. Just, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think that's going to work? Just because I'm wearing a police officer's uniform does not mean I It's probably a, a little misogynistic, but nonetheless, you know, Fujiko may be the victim of some broader cultural, uh, you know, pressure put on women to be a certain way. Yeah. But she seems to be presented as a pretty strong, capable individual. 
who is basically using her sexuality to manipulate She's that honeypot, Lupin. dude. That's the only female archetype in spy and thief stuff. <laughs> so that's pretty much just what she has to be. <laughs> and then she's, we're supposed to act shocked when that's what Lupin thinks about? Yeah. My word. I had no idea. I mean, the constant I was hoping that they actually take that opportunity to, like, have a joke or, like, prove that Lupin is a genius by representing, you know, his subconscious in some absurd way that he had such total control over his mind. Yeah. That he would just, uh, you know, it would be him in, like, a pizza parlor <laughs> talking to a toad. Like, well, this is weird. <laughs> Lol. Trolled you. I, yeah, what is the, I don't trolled. even remember the point of them putting him in that machine. I guess it was because uh, Mamo was trying to get Fujiko to abandon her affection for Lupin. Yeah. Which doesn't seem to be that strong in the first place, so but it keeps manifesting like, itself in sort of weird ways. He's like, see, he doesn't even like you. He likes, or it's more just like he's a complete idiot. Like, why do you want to go out with well, this he guy? Is, I mean, he, but he's got the heart of gold. He doesn't have a heart of gold. He doesn't. He's a moron. He, I mean, he's kind of got the heart of gold in Castle of Cagliostro. But yeah. That was a long time ago. But that's the Studio Ghibli yeah. Lupin, where there's no way that sh- that movie would have just been about a thief. You got to clean it up for the kids. Yeah. But she's like, whatevs. I don't care. Because we're both messed up, man. And he's like, I hate you. I'm going to blast off into the sun as a brain. <laughs> yeah, that's Mama's big plan. I don't know why that's his plan. Because he says, I'm going to come back in a thousand years. I'm going to be a god. It's like, dude, what's going to change in a thousand years in space? How can that really be his plan? I thought you were holding the whole world hostage to destroy it and then recreate recreate it in your image. Uh, I was just holding the whole world hostage so I could get a girlfriend (laughs) when that didn't pan out. So (laughs) rotary. Yeah. Yeah, When that didn't pan out, I, I just decided to scuttle the whole thing. Yeah, he walk in on him. He's hugging a body pillow. Yeah, oh my god! <laughs> I'm about I know everything I've done my whole life is for nothing. I just wanted to get laid. Oh, I for, I forgot to mention that also he's apparently Moses. <laughs> they have this cutscene when he's explaining his past, where he's holding a staff and dressed in a red robe. <laughs> yeah, like, he is supposed to be Moses. <laughs> Oh, Japanese people, what won't you misappropriate? And then uh, Lupin puts a bomb on the brain rocket ship and blows it up and the brain goes into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff wrong with that. How would that watch bomb have made it through leaving the atmosphere? Yeah, it's it's easier to leave than it is to come back. Maybe it just wasn't that bomb. Well, maybe there's less resistance. Uh, I don't know. I, I did I did appreciate and by me saying I I did not appreciate this but I bet a whole bunch of nerds who are way too pedantic on the internet appreciated that there is no sound in space at the end of this movie. <laughs> really, dude? He, he, it's a giant brain. How would it have grown to those proportions? <laughs> well, it's just you. It's like like a turtle. Just keep feeding it. It's gonna grow to the size of its environment. <laughs> There's an upper limit to that. Turtles will not just grow <laughs> forever exponentially. Forever. Just gotta keep getting them bigger cages. 
It's like in the darkest Africa back in the 1800s, they speculated there was a giant turtle who had just, you know, never stopped eating. That's how we got Or camera. failed to find food. Just, kept, just giving him like pieces of hot dogs. Oh, mama. I don't know where he got the flamethrower breath from, but whatever. Yeah, but dude. So you're going to go into space as a giant brain. You seem to where have, are you going? Yeah, this, this rocket seems where to have no going? function but to go out and then kind of make a loop around in a thousand years. Which I guess you packed enough fuel for that. I guess you just provided you don't get too close to anything. Just maybe inertia is going to carry you the whole way. And then you're going to come back and human technology will have advanced a thousand years. While you're still just a giant brain in a rocket. That somehow, I guess it's going to land on the planet. But then what do you do from there? Like you're going to crash land in the Russian, somewhere in the ocean near Russia. And then have your clones been holding it down for the past thousand years and they're going to come pick you up? Or like, is your friend Barry going to give you a ride? Because I think once you get back on Earth, being a brain and having no hands or legs or anything, any way to interact with the world, it would, it would prove difficult to reestablish your, uh, your dominance. Yeah, I guess that's true. Also, if, it's, if the spaceship is a giant glass thing holding a brain... How does that survive re-entry? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's I really don't think this plan was really that well thought out, <laughs> frankly. It's so vindictive, too, that like Lupin just blows him up. It's like, dude, he's obviously delusional. He's not going to do anything. <laughs> just let him go. <laughs> what, is he going to come back? No. And then it's just like... That's when the subplot with the U.S. and Russia resolves, where they're all going to bomb Mamo's Island, and they do. And everybody, they have to escape while being attacked by bombs, and like, Goemon and Jigen can pick up Fujiko, but Lupin and Zenigata have to run away from the missiles on foot? Because Zenigata has handcuffed his ankle to Lupin's. Yeah, but they couldn't just pick up all of them and sort it out <laughs> later? Well, I think that the idea was that Agata wasn't going to let Lupin get on the mm. the helicopter with Jigen and Goemon. He also wouldn't buy the story that it was pretty cool because at the end of the movie, they really start to examine personhood when Lupin's <laughs> like, but I'm Lupin's clone. You can't arrest me for all his crimes. He died in the thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm not buying it. And it's like, gives you some, it's food for thought. You're sitting there like. Hmm. He's the same person, but he only has memories of those crimes. It's a, real good, it's a thought exercise. I mean, but I think we are not having if we show, the altered carbon if, argument if we again. We showed this to Socrates. <laughs> Socrates. Socrates. Uh, but yeah, like, and there's this like really sinister thing at the end where like, so the Russians and the the Americans have made this joint thing where they're gonna blow up Mamo's Island to save the world. And as they're blowing it up, the Russian general in the back is like, kill that CIA guy as soon as we're done. And I was like, ooh, wow, that really makes me feel bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Just sort of like, I don't like the Lupin where there's just like this really callous murder stuff going on. Well, that CIA guy was a total dick. Yeah. He had it coming. Well, yeah. He's like following Jigen around, taking sexy pictures of him. It's like, oh, Jigen. <laughs> He's walking through the square. It's like, man, you really like your surveillance job a lot, don't you? 
Yeah, I guess he must. Uh, I don't know. That was a, the interesting thing about all that was like the the sort of uh, anti-American stuff that came out. Yeah, which I don't know. wasn't really a detraction, but it was interesting. Well, I mean, so this was made in 1979. Like, how old is the the manga artist that's been writing this stuff? Because it's probably it's super old. I'm, I, there's probably damn, multiple iterations. He was of he was born point. in 37. The dude's 74 years old. So for some reason, I've always just thought of him as some like perennial, perennial guy. Like he's just always been young, <laughs> always some like young, kind of overweight nerd, a little greasy, hanging out in a one room apartment and writing manga about thieves. So I guess that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. It was a different time. It's, he grew up. I mean, he the kids like he would have been. Eight, seven or eight years old during world war ii i think i could understand where some anti-us sentiment might come from <laughs> in that situation yeah oh man we do we watched uh the whole of the black lagoon ova last night which i know like really behind on the times with that because it came out like last year but it was really good <laughs> like, oh, snap. it was pretty good i don't know it wasn't the best black lagoon there was but um it made Any me, Black Lagoon? Yeah, it made me wish I had not waited as long as I did to watch it. Though it did feel really good just to, like, to watch a bunch of episodes at once. Like that's what, Oh, yeah, just shotgun them. Because that's what we're doing with the regular TV now. Like, with comedies and stuff, it doesn't matter. But for the past couple dramas we watched, like Game of Thrones, uh, we just waited until the show was over and then watched it all in one big goal. Well, actually... Me and Kathy watch a Game of Thrones together, and I kind of like the the tension of waiting a week between each episode. Yeah. Huh. Until they killed Boromir, and then I was like, "This show is over." Boromir. Boromir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that 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 was pretty whack, but it was also kind of cool. And I was like, "Wow, they made a TV show where you kill a guy that's like ostensibly the main character." I. And, I, and also, like, the only cool dude in the whole show. That's the problem, is that there aren't a lot of good characters aside from him. Like, I, everybody likes Tyrion Lannister, and I can get behind that, because I saw the station agent, and I like that dude. But the Lannisters are all a-holes, Yeah, like, I don't want to vote for one of them. Yeah, and apparently some of them become cool in later books. But, yeah, well, no, I mean, Cross really likes Arya, and I think that's, that's fine. But, like, I Who? mean, Arya, the youngest daughter... Oh, of the of the Starks. Yeah, but like, I mean, I don't, I don't care about either of the older Stark children, and I just, I don't give a shit about either of them. I don't dislike them, but that's, a, I guess, that's something that maybe I was, I was thinking while watching Black Lagoon, and I've thought about this in Black Lagoon in the past, is that that's a pretty good example of a show where you've got some like really despicable people. And the show knows how to make them not completely unlikable. Because we have watched all of Breaking Bad. And just like, I don't give a shit about the characters in that show. They're like all so miserable. I I don't know. I just can't wrap my head around watching shows like that. Where it's just like, what is the impetus in watching it if you do not care what happens to any of the characters? It's just like, I don't care if they die. They're all terrible. <laughs> and even if they, I don't, it's just Breaking Bad's a really weird example. We watched all, like all of it on Netflix. 
and you sit there being like, okay, well, this is a re- this show is really, really well acted. It's got really good writing. But the actual plot, like, who gives a shit about any of it? Like, I do not care. Uh, so that's it. It's just weird to me. I don't know how where that came from with Mamo <laughs> Blue Space Babies. Uh, I think we can all agree we're happy Mamo's dead. Yeah. He's kind of a dick. But everybody in this universe is. <laughs> well, we don't even... I mean, Goemon and Jigen apparently have no motivation. Yeah. They don't even factor in. They're well, just, they just want to be there. Lupin's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it's a constant trouble with writing something. You gotta... You gotta have the characters have their own motivation. Their, their motivation should be help the main character. Just because. I just like him that much. He's... Listen, he's a cutie patootie. He's got those weird gorilla hands. <laughs> They're all hairy. Oh, Lupin, you're so irascible. Yeah. Even when you blatantly disregard my advice, which would be for your betterment. Yeah. I do. I mean, we, we did complain about the dub, but I do. I like the main the main cast of the dub. I And I always have because they, they use the same people. Like, Jigen is the dude who does Bato. Yeah. And Lupin's always the same guy. I don't know about the other two. Mostly those two guys. And I I, I guess probably just because that's what I was introduced to them as. Because I think it's the same. Pretty sure it's the same people as Castle of Cagliostro. It's definitely the same as the TV show, which I watched a bunch on Adult Swim. So maybe it's just one of those things where I'm used to it. But I don't have a problem with them. It's just like that, God, that dumb George Bush stuff was so irritating. I, yeah. I don't know who writes that and thinks like, oh man, it's going to be so funny. And then well, when like, sort somebody of they... watches it in 10 years, they're like totally going to get it. Well, I think it's part of that localization with translation yeah. where you, you, you don't just leave the jokes as they are. But I don't know. It's like I'm watching something that's from another country. I'm okay with not getting all the humor or having it explained to me well, yeah. somehow. You you want to strike a good balance where the humor is synthesized so you can consume it, but they don't yeah, just well, make up a new joke. Jokes aren't idioms, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not the same thing where if you say it one way, I won't understand it or it won't mean the same thing culturally. Like, it, it just doesn't work as well that way. Yeah. But whatevs. I don't know. I felt like kind of throwing an email out there but before we stop, but I don't know if I have anything make a request for emails i feel like it's slowed down oh did we already i guess we already answered this one that said new york style pizza chicago style pizza or i'm hungry <laughs> but uh i didn't understand. the answer is always i'm hungry we got a dude that's uh matt says just listen to the latest episode november 15th 2011 <laughs> and even though i'm from chicago i can agree that chicago style pizza is a horrible idea real pizza doesn't require a fork and knife to eat this shit is just some weird tomato casserole. I will, however, argue that Chicago-style hot dogs are one of the greatest things to come out of this city. Uh, I've never had a Chicago-style hot dog. I, well, I think I've had a Chicago-style hot dog, but not one that is probably true to the Chicago form. But I'm perfectly okay with the amount of toppings that Chicagoans seem to want to lay, like, lay in their hot dog with. The the hot dog itself is something that's just like, it needs a lot of work. It needs stuff to make it great, I feel. So I'm totally down with that. 
It's kind. Of, it's actually kind of the opposite of the Chicago style pizza. They they are a, a city of excess. Truly, it's people from Philadelphia. I think we can respect that. But like, have you ever lived through a winter in the northern Midwest? No, I've not. Neither have I, and I never want yeah, to. Yeah, it sounds miserable. <laughs> oh, God, um, it was. It's been so weirdly warm that when it was less than twenty degrees yesterday, I thought I might die. I'm outside for about 30 seconds because all I need to do is go to the grocery store. But it's uh, like how quickly we forget. Yeah, I know. This is it's been a weird winter, dude. No snow except for once in October. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. This is more in line with what winters have been like. Uh, in the Northeast, I feel like over the past decade, as opposed to the last three years, yeah, we've had a really where we've had like snow, a bajillion snow tons of snow every time. Uh, Matt continues to say on the subject of pizza, what are your thoughts on barbecue chicken pizza? Oh wait, I should whisper this so Graciel doesn't hear. On the, what are your thoughts <laughs> on barbecue chicken pizza? Does this unusual combination of ingredients Get seem yourself. like delicious ingenuity, or is it an unholy abomination made by the insane for the insane? <laughs> I like it. Given my love <laughs> for the like barbecue pulled pork or barbecue shredded chicken sandwich, the barbecue chicken pizza is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I don't. Ha- I, it can I be done poorly. Do not hate it. No, yeah, can, I wouldn't. I mean, can stare I wouldn't me turn it down. Like. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, this is funny because now this is a Chris Pahalski bookended podcast. <laughs> But the first time I had it was in his presence. I'd never heard of it before. So you get this pizza and say tomato sauce, there's barbecue sauce. And I went, what? 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 What, is, what has happened here? Mind explosion. No, I don't hate it. It's, not, it's probably not something I would go after on the reg. Uh, <laughs> man, we've had some pretty bad luck with pizza recently. We, we, we ordered takeout from a new place maybe like two weeks ago. And we got a margarita pizza, and you know, so with the with your and it mar- was actually just margaritas poured onto pizza yeah. dough. <laughs> it was just so it was this, this so really gross. soggy circular pizza dough that's covered in sort of toxic tequila green. triple second ice. Why would you put the ice on it? <laughs> well, it all melted in transits, but no. So you know, the margarita you have like strategically placed pieces of mozzarella. Yeah, they're just sort of blobbed yeah. on there, and, and then this, you can it was just a whole tomato. pizza covered in, in that mozzarella. It huh. was it was not very good. The uh, we we don't really have much in the way of good pizza here. In, in our like exact locale, we don't have anywhere that we could have pizza delivered to us that would be very good. I do note looking at Twitter that Domino's Pizza says we're celebrating a true archon. What's your favorite Martin Luther King Jr. quote? And then are you serious? <laughs> and then Zach Bursey follows it up with, "My name is Gato. I have metal joints." Beat me up and you can win 15 silver points. Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> <laughs> the robot from Corona Trigger. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Ah, the internet. The guy did some pretty good stuff. Uh, we were listening to On the Media yesterday and they were talking about Martin Luther King. And the whole I have a dream thing was completely extemporaneous. Uh as the way they the way they described it was that he's he's given this speech and he feels like it's not really getting the reaction from the crowd he wants, so he just sort of goes off in this new direction. Well, it's funny 
Yeah. Yeah. What's Grot saying? She's saying it's it's something he was sort of test running and elsewhere, but he just he just went with it. He was like, "All right, this is going to be the speech now." He's a pretty great dude. We got this dude, Mark Sewell. He says, "I'm emailing you guys. I figure a food question is basically obligatory. Burger chains, Red Robin, Steak and Shake, Five Guys, Fat Burger, or In and Out, or something else. I'm just forgetting. Or hell, McDonald's, or Burger King, or Wendy's. But I think it's given that those choices are wrong in the face of McDonald's. Huh? I would say that." If, you, if you're comparing McDonald's, Burger King, or Wendy's, I think Wendy's is at the top of that pile. <laughs> it's an admittedly <laughs> small pile. Uh, but they got yeah. the Frosty, and they got the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. I mean, the real throwdown in this uh, in this email is between In-N-Out and Five Guys. Mm. I mean, I, I think I've probably only been to an In-N-Out like once. We don't have them on this side of the country. Yeah, inexplicably. Uh I don't think I've ever had a fat burger. I did have a good burger. It sucked. <laughs> it did not live up to the name. Uh, False advertising. I had Red Robin once in Florida. I went there with Paul Chapman. It was okay. I mean, it was like a Chili's style hamburger. That sort of level of quality. Steak and shake I've never had, but places that combine hamburgers with steaks, or not or not steaks, uh, with milkshakes, ten, the reason you go there tends to be for the milkshake. Is, or just to hate yourself. Why would you eat a hamburger and a milkshake in the same meal? I don't know, but like, unless there's a like twenty mile run in between, <laughs> uh, does it count if I had to walk back to the subway after I hit it? <laughs> <laughs> and was the was the subway across a straight a state line? Yeah, no, uh, it was about three blocks away. No, there's there's a I forget what they're called Steak Shack. It's like a small chain in uh, New York. And there was, when Gratz was working in Times Square, there was one near her office. So we went up to, I went up to her place for lunch one day and we went to have it. And the the shake itself was very good. The burger was like above average, but sort of like a, probably on the same line of quality as, as five guys, which I've complained about in the past. I just don't see the point of places like five guys because it feels like you're getting the fast food burger experience classed up only slightly so it's like if you're willing to pay that much for a hamburger it's probably like seven or eight bucks just go somewhere that'll make you like a real hamburger (laughs) instead of just like this sort of (laughs) like a homunculus it's like between two worlds no they're real hamburgers at five guys i think they're they are they are in a weird space between fast food and real it's true. You you are on to something because you just you go there and it is an essentially fast food experience that has been marketed as something else. Yeah, so I think you're just paying a lot of money for the quality of burger you get at those places. Also, if Daryl, I remember like maybe a year ago, kept touting this thing where men's health rated five guys the worst food you could eat in America for you. Oh, well, that's obviously the the amount of French fries they give you. Like, they put the calorie count of the burgers on their their menus. But it's just like, oh, well, that seems reasonable. But then they give you, like, five pounds of French fries. Why do you hate me, five guys? What what did I do to you? It should be illegal. They make the fry containers a certain size. It should be illegal to put more fries in in that container. They're like, here, we're just – we are giving you a sack of fries. We shouldn't even have this little paper container because we're just pouring it into the bag. Yeah. And that's where they get you. Uh, This dude's email continues to say he listened to one of our old podcasts where we were hating on 
dead leaves, which he agreed that it deserves. So he says, oh, he's, he watched it and they said I, he went ahead and listened to the chunk of an old as shit episodes we got dedicated to it. And in it, we impelled the world to never hire that director who you never heard of and didn't care to look up again. It's pretty hilarious that the reason we all now know him is the next thing he got hired to do was Gurren Lakan. <laughs> I tell you to go back in time and kick yourselves in the faces if Dead Leaves wasn't so goddamn awful. So instead, I'll just tell you to go back in time like two hours ago and kick me in the face so I don't watch it. <laughs> this is So we were discussing time machines last night, and this was pretty good. Aaron's plan to get rich using a time machine is to go back in time and sell, or no, to sell concert tickets for really famous concerts that got sold out throughout time and then send people back in time so they could go watch them. But then she she brought up that it might be a time paradox <laughs> that perhaps the concerts were sold out because all the time travelers went to them. She realizes that Jean Jean Claude Van Damme is going to lock her ass up. <laughs> yeah, right? no, this is clearly in violation of the time cop time <laughs> principles. <laughs> I don't know. I think the sports almanac is sure is still the best bet if you're going to get well, rich. What I would do is I would go back in time identify concerts that were going to be sold out and then scalp them for you know big profit because that's you know small enough margin not to attract the time cop's attention yeah grazio says if you already invented the time machine you are already rich by default (laughs) because everybody's scheming (laughs) nobody will ever be rich again we just be pillaging the yeah could you pillage the past would we just you know alight upon the unwitting citizens of medieval europe and steal everything inside yeah <laughs> that's, that's terrible like all the gold just suddenly disappears <laughs> but you wouldn't know it disappeared because it would already happen in the past and you'd come back to the future and everybody would be like what's gold well your time machine might disappear like you could so drastically affect things yeah whatever traveling back in time is impossible yeah <laughs> we just gotta look we can maybe get the light particles to vibrate in such a way that we could send a message back into time. That's what scientists are talking about. That's what a new Lupin movie would be about in this day and age. They'd be like, yeah, we could pretty much do that time triple shit right now. <laughs> Saw it in an article of Wired. <laughs> they were talking about it. It's like, what was the state of cloning technology in 1979? <laughs> Got this. Yeah. Somebody's like, I heard of it. Also, you don't make like a... It's certainly not then. Definitely not now. You don't make like a another loop on like that guy sitting in a cell at the beginning of the movie who's gonna get hanged isn't like well this is what i get for my long life of crime he's like who the fuck am i because <laughs> i don't think the memories come over too well of being a clone yeah I'd... unless is this like a sixth day style cloning yeah maybe Who's the real one? I mean, that's what Lupin says at the end. He's like, seriously, bro? I'm just the clone. Don't arrest me. It's like, no, I'm not the clone. I Gosh. can't lie to you. And that's Zanagata. the problem with this movie in a nutshell. They get this big issue that just sits there and does nothing the whole time. Yeah. And it's all just a super villain movie. It kind of reminds me of the plot in Tales of the Abyss. Spoilers for Tales of the Abyss. Also, spoilers for a Tales plot. Who the fuck cares? They're not good. <laughs> They're going to be awful. Guess what? There's a parallel dimension and we're stealing the magic from it. Yeah. Uh, so this, the the plot of Tales of the Abyss is that the main character is a clone. 
and they they waste the whole the whole you know probably 70 hour run of the game being like but am i a real person but they never oh god they never go deeper than just asking the question they, it's not like the clones from final fantasy 9 where there's a whole clone world and it turns out that your tail means that you were some kind of weird uh, abomination was clone that, that didn't get a soul. Final Fantasy Nine? I never got no, that. No, it part. was ten. Final Fantasy Ten. Well, yeah. ten. Yeah, they they have like a fake. You don't even want to start on the. I had the Final Fantasy Ten <laughs> plot explained to me while doing a live stream, maybe like a month ago. Uh, I just looked it up on Wikipedia and sitting there like, so the plot of ten is like, it's not the past. That part at the beginning where it's like high technology and stuff that is just somewhere that exists in the world that like the <laughs> deity that controls this world kept it around because he really liked it but he was mad because the technology in the world had driven the world to tear itself apart so the big flying space whale that is the main character's dad is <laughs> is like a security Wait, is system. It, no i was talking about nine then i don't know <laughs> 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 You got me. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> They're all those plots, man. I want to. I played the demo for Final Fantasy Thirteen Two. Uh, like at least I knew there was a plot in Final Fantasy Ten. Like even if it was not a particularly good plot, at least it seemed legible on the surface. Like I felt like okay, I basically get what's going on here. There was like a a dead thing in the past, and you're a ghost or whatever. But this, like, this new crap, it's like, I don't even know what they're talking about. They're time traveling for some reason. There's a I don't know why. Why do RPGs, specifically JRPGs, need to have these totally convoluted plots? Yeah. Why can't I just be saving a princess? Just, yeah. Back to basics, folks. Well, I mean, it's fine if you want to, like, you know, reach for that brass ring. But you need to be cognizant of your limitations and be like, well, I don't think I can write a story about, like, transhumanism. I should probably. Or they just, just go totally over the over top, man. Like Lost Odyssey. Lost. God, that is the most JRPG of JRPGs. Yeah. Had a lot of books just, in it. I remember that. Totally infatuated with themselves. Yeah. Just yeah. Totally infatuated with Graziano and Jay never beat that game because they got. I don't even. If you beat that game. There's a battle like at the end, two or three bosses from the end, where you have to switch your elemental defense rings every turn. That game, you in order to beat it, you have to be on some kind of psychotic medication like that lobotomizes yeah. you. So that this isn't boring. There was also there's some battle where you have to kill one guy but not the other guy. I remember that causing them a hell of a lot of frustration. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I fell asleep in the middle of a fight. (laughs) (laughs) So did I, but I wasn't playing the game. I just remember watching them play it and be like, I was in control. (laughs) I woke up to the you lost screen and I was like, this game is over. That is the last straw. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good story for like falling asleep while doing something. Oh goodness! But I'm ready. Man, you call it. Yeah, it's been That's a enough. long time. All right, I'm gonna stop. And go back to Tales of Symphonia: The New Dawn. <laughs> oh snap! It's always.
okay. You get recruit monsters, they only have two characters. You're like, the chick and the dude. Dude's a huge pussy. Chicks are like, oh, I love you, huge pussy. I want to be a good waifu. <laughs> so not a very strong cast of characters. Oh, man. It'd be really uncomfortable to walk in on your wife saying that. Yeah. 